Welcome into episode 26 of the greatest people you've never met podcast. Joining me today uh, from somewhere in Wisconsin. Looks like he's in a basement in Wisconsin. Superstar himself. What's going on, CK? It's another day in the life of Carter Kirk. Yeah. yeah tell him about it, huh? Real tough. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, is it? Uh, just pretty much, you know, right now substitute teaching. Yeah. But... Main job is working for uh, ETS Performance, right? Training um, the athletes over at the River Falls High School. So, I mean, I enjoy it. It's it's fun, um, growing connections with the kids, and then you know, w- working with them in the weight room and working on their speed and agility, and then also seeing it translate over to the court field or whatever sport they play. So, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, dude. Uh, way to be so about yourself. You just jumped right into your intro. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, no. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's really cool of you. Uh, so for people that don't know you, why don't you give them the full background of who Carter Kirk is? All right, so my brother, he was on the pod, what, four or five? A couple episodes some, ago. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm from Mountain Lake as well. Um, grew up loving, living sports, played football, basketball, baseball, uh, did everything I could to be around sports, and ended up... Uh, being able to go play at the next level. So I played basketball for four years at Southwest Minnesota State under Brad Bigler, who was also on uh, your pod. And uh, after my four years, I played uh, a year of football at Southwest. Um, I had the itch. You know, I love basketball, but after a couple of years of just playing, you know, the same sport, you know, growing up, I, you know, it was football, basketball, baseball, football, basketball, baseball. And I just, I had that itch. I missed football. And, you know, I figured to myself, I still have that itch once I'm done with the four years, I'll go and play. So I was able to play a year at Southwest, and it was fun. Uh, no huddle offense, so I was out wide quite a bit, so I enjoyed that. And then um, after that, I was able to get a couple opportunities with some NFL teams, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, great opportunity, got to meet some great people, uh, DK, Russell, uh, Pete, um, Pete. And then after, about two months after that, I got an invite from the Buccaneers, and I'll tell you what, I had a great workout. I really thought they were going to sign me, and then afterwards they said, we love the way you run, really good route runner, great hands, but we're looking more for a blocking tight end, and that is not what I am. Get the hell out of here. That's the I answer. was like, all right, well, <laughs> why'd you bring me here? But, yeah. I mean, opportunity, and, you know, after that, I'm, I probably should have pursued it for another year or two, but I'm an impatient person, so then afterwards I – I went and played basketball overseas for a couple of years, and um, COVID shut down both those seasons, which kind of sucked because I was trying to decide if I wanted to turn it into an eight to ten year career, or you know, I wasn't quite sure. Uh, looking back at it, great time. You know, yeah. you miss your miss your family and friends, uh, but I mean, it's, it's just like college, except you're getting paid for it and you don't have to go to school. Um, and then after the um, two years, COVID shutting both seasons down, I. Ended up here in River Falls working for ETS and, you know, love what I do. It's, it's a great company and I've got to meet a lot of great people too in, in this organization. So I guess that's the 411 on Carter Kirk. Nice, dude. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to have you on so you could tell everybody about your big body and your little brain. And uh, yeah. we're starting hot doing that. Uh, no, but uh, I think a lot of people see professional athletes or professional athletics in general and see all the glitz and glamour of it and mm-hmm. you you kind of saw all the knot of that um so Absolutely. i remember uh going into the the draft uh what year was that 2018 nfl what draft 18 yes yeah uh, i remember we were all pretty excited thought you'd be a late round pick it didn't happen it is what it I, is it was, it was 19 i believe well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, 19, year before yeah. COVID, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yep. But, yeah, we were all excited. Thought you'd be a late-round pick. Didn't happen. But Seahawks uh, gave you an invite to the mini camp. Uh, tell everybody what that was like. I mean, getting that call, no matter what, still pretty dope, right? Yeah. No, it was exciting. And um, like I said, the opportunity itself is a blessing. You know, I look back at it, and at the time, it's, you know, I was disappointed in myself. And it sucked that I didn't get signed, but you look back at it. I mean, the percentage of players who even get that call, 
Right. And when I look at it like that, it's like, well, you know, it's pretty uh, big accomplishment. But um, in, in itself, I mean, it was awesome. It was, I want to say, three day, or three nights, four days. Um, like I said, got to meet a lot of great people, got to see what next level football is. And I tell you what, man, when, when it's a full-time job, it's a full-time job. Like, yeah. it's, it's awesome to see that aspect. Um, probably, for me, it was more mentally tasking than physically like just you know you're learning a playbook right it's it's go 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 and um made me also realize how almost perfect you have to be if you're an undrafted free agent in, in a rookie minicamp how perfect you have to be to get signed right right and but i mean it was awesome i, I it was pretty cool i i fly in from the cities and i get to seattle and I, I get out the gate and there's people waiting for me. They bring me to the um, area where the vans are coming to pick us up. And there's already about 10 to 12 guys there waiting and van pulls up and, and I, I, I was there after everyone else. So, so they had dibs obviously. So they went. And so I was just by myself and I was just sitting there waiting. And then all of a sudden I see someone coming from afar and there's like four or five people behind him. And I'm like, who is that? And it was DK. And he sits down what, 10 feet away from me. And I looked at him and I was like, that's DK Metcalf. Yeah. It was, it was one of those, I would say, I mean, he wasn't who he is now, but at the same time, you know, after the combine and everything, like he was all over social media, especially with the picture of him. And, um, and I was like, yeah, that's DK Metcalf. And, um, we got in the van together and I mean, one thing that made me realize being around like professional athletes, I mean, they're just like you and I, right. Right. And they're just really good at what they do. And they're on national television and they make a lot of money. Yeah. But, I mean, we're in the van, and I don't know why. There was this older lady in the van with us. I don't know why. But, anyways, we're driving, and he's on his phone, and he goes to his notes, and he types something, and he gives me his phone, and it says, hey, what position do you think she plays? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, so, I mean, he's a funny dude, and obviously he's a hard worker. Um, but, yeah, I got to meet Russell Wilson. One time I was walking down the stairs after meetings, and, all of a sudden, I hear, hey, big fella. And I look up, and, like, that was probably the first time, like, you hear the phrase starstruck. Yeah. I was starstruck. I was like, Russell Wilson. Uh, it was crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it was awesome opportunity. Um, I'm blessed to have had it. Yeah. You wish things w- would have went differently, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. And, yeah, just thankful and grateful, honestly. Yeah, no, it was dope. Uh I know we were all pretty pumped up for you, right? That's cool as shit. I was even more pumped up when they gave you 84. I was like, dude, Carter's going to make the team. They're not giving him 97 <laughs> to run some tight end reps, right? Um, but, no, it was a, it was cool. Uh, you did it all right, too. I remember, you know, there's a ton of pictures of you. You were always in the front row doing all that stuff. Uh, but a couple things about that I want to touch on. I remember you told me one time, you know, kind of the emotions of that week where the first day you got a ton of reps and then every day they just started coming down and down. What's that kind of like mentally for you? Uh, Not to say, I mean, not to put you down, but you've kind of always been the bigger fish in the smaller pond. Right. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, well, you're just a guy here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you guys always joke around with me and all that stuff. And I don't want to sound arrogant by saying this, but it, it, it was a humbling um, situation because I mean it really was the first time someone told me you're not good enough. Sure, and like like you said, like getting a good amount of reps, making some catches here and there, and as the days went on, like less and less, and it was tough. Like it was, it made me realize like one, you got to take advantage of every opportunity, but also it's like sometimes if you put too much stress in yourself, where it's like okay, like. Like, for example, maybe some basketball players who only get three, four, five shots a game in their mind. It's like, I have to make every single shot. I have to do this right. I have to do that right. So sometimes you just put too much stress and pressure on yourself, which I feel I could have done a better job. But I think I did all right with it. But at the same time, like it was new to me. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, frustrating. But also, like I said, you look back at it, awesome experience. Um, but it did make me realize, like I said before, like, like Adam Thielen being an undrafted free agent, making the team, like he had had to have had almost a perfect rookie minicamp. For sure. And sometimes that's what it takes. And 
you know, I, I say this to a couple of my buddies who also went down the same route as me. And, um, I mean, there, there definitely are some people out there walking around the streets who are good enough to be in the NFL. And there probably is a few th- third, four stringers in the NFL right now that probably should be walking around the streets right now. But like, that's just kind of how the dice roll and, you know, certain situations here and there, you know, just sometimes your cards don't play out the way you want them to. Right. No, for sure. And I think, I mean, uh, this you know for you and it's probably not just you i think that your position and how you said you were humbled that's probably 99 percent of professional athletes where it's the first time that they've been told you're not good enough to be here right and it's it's how you handle that and uh you've handled it extremely well you're still a successful human and still doing great things um before we get away from this, I do. I got something pulled up here, and I, I'm sure maybe you know, but uh, so Carter played, you know, in the amateur football with us too. Um, we always had some good times. And there's, you know, I don't know if I might use that picture of 52 guarding you from that game that your brother yeah. and I talked about. But uh, when you when you signed with the Seahawks, I remember the the little league, the SPFL, posting a little thing, you know, like a congrats to you. Uh, do you remember uh, your homeboy reaching out? Oh, which homeboy, man? Dude, I got, I got it right here. He's like, hey, I know, hey, dude, I know you don't yeah. know me, but my name yeah. is. I'm not, I don't want to say his name. Playing the SBFL, how'd you ever get the Seahawks' attention? And then he went on to say, you know, you did Gophers Pro Day after SDSU's Pro Day, and he's like, yeah, I was gonna do SDSU's Pro Day, but I forgot when it was. <laughs> uh, yes, I remember that. I didn't know how to respond because it's like, well, it's not something you just walk up and be like, hey, I'm here. I'm ready for the pro day. <laughs> Give me my shirt. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, that's too bad. I wish you would have remembered, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I could have got some heads turned, that's for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, his uh, his comment back to you was, I should have hopped in at the SDSU pro day but forgot when it was. I would, but I already own my own insurance business and don't really want to go back to school. I mean, oh, that's, gotta, yeah, that's 90% of guys that make it to the league right there, dude, already owning insurance companies, not playing college <laughs> athletics. I think one guy, Michael Lewis, he ran a beer truck once and then he returned some kicks for the Saints when we were little kids, but not, yeah. not a common thing. This isn't a Vince Papali moment here for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Played two years, varsity, right? Oh, man. No, I remember that. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was good stuff. I just wanted to bring that up because that made me laugh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great memory. No, and that's, I mean, you know, kind of bouncing off of Jordan's pod. That's uh, that's kind of the negative connotation with the amateur football right there. Yeah. Oh, you you have no idea how many times I heard this year when we were playing. You play for the Seahawks. What are you doing here? I'm like, Man, I just love football, but right. we, we, we can roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I believe it. It's, I mean, what, it's what funny. Else, what else you got? It's just like, that's all they can say. All right. For sure. That's it. That's it. Uh, you, we did have Coach Bigler on, and I know that a lot of people enjoyed that pod, and I know you know, obviously, that story well. Uh, yeah. But just to kind of bring that pod full circle for me, what was it like, you know, being around that guy? And you've been around, I mean, good leadership your entire life. You know, I give mm-hmm. your dad a lot of props and he's somebody I certainly looked up to uh, during my coaching times and still still look to for advice and things. But you know, what was what was that like? I mean, just being around that guy. I, I, I Yeah. Just what was that like, Doug? Well, yeah, no, I've been definitely blessed with the leaders that I've, you know, been around my whole lifetime and one thing that I appreciate about all of them is they're all different in their own way and um the thing about Bigler is cool calm collected and um wasn't just there for you on the court was there for you off it and very you know thankful that I was able to play for someone like that and if I'm being 100% honest he was the main reason I went to Southwest. Um, I mean, you know, NDSU was looking and offered, Augustana offered. Um, and those are really the top three. And what drew me to Southwest was Bigler. Um, just the conversations we'd have, I could tell he cared for and loved his players. And yeah, I mean, 
we talked a lot, you know, the ups and downs. He was always there for me, and um, yeah, it was it was an awesome opportunity. And like I said, that's the one thing I appreciate appreciate about the mentors and leaders that I've had is like they're all different and special in their own like way. And with him, it was just when things got tough, he he didn't it didn't change. Right. Like he he I think one time. Nah, a couple times, but like I remember one time where he he took me um, and two of the other seniors, my senior year aside, we were playing in Moorhead, and we weren't doing too well. We were like thirteen and seven, and we were a lot better than what our record said. And um, we were struggling, and he pulled us aside, and he, you know, said some things I haven't heard him say before. And he's like, "You guys got to get it together. Like you guys are our leaders." Blah blah blah, and like raised his voice higher than what he usually would and we ended up losing that game so I think we ended up going 13 and 8 but then we ended up winning 8 or 9 straight ended up winning the NSXC South you know made the NCAA tournament like it, it just like he knows when you know he has to turn that switch on right but just you know when you're down 7 with 2 minutes left to go and you're in the huddle and your coach isn't fumbling the marker and he's not stuttering. Like, he's just cool, calm, and collected. Like, as a player, it makes you cool, calm, and collected. And that's how he is off the court as well. I mean, everything that he's been through. Um, you know, it, it stuff that you've seen in a movie. And, right. like, stuff that, that's happened to him in real life and the way he's handled it, you know, it's hard to put yourself in someone's shoes, but I, I, I couldn't even you know, imagine going through what he went through and I, I pray to God it never happens, but you know, he's, he's done life very well. And you know, it, it was an awesome experience and, you know, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, for sure. No, it was, uh, it was, it's an incredible story. It's, uh, it's moving. Uh, if you haven't listened to that pod, go back, watch the E60 Bigler's yeah. way. Um, it's, it, it is, it, it kind of takes all your problems and really pushes them to the side. And it's like, yeah, I can, I can keep going today for sure. Man, I tell you what, like life is so short and you know, shit happens. Yeah. And sometimes your shit is a lot smaller than other people's shit and, and you don't really realize it. Right. But when you take a step back and you just realize what you have and what to be thankful for, you know, and like in bigger situation, you know, so even like right now, like I'm getting a little emotional because I care about the guy and like the fact that he had to go through that. It's like, you know, the problems that I've had or have, it's like, it's nothing compared to what it could be. You know, right. sometimes you, you got to have that mindset in life. You really do. For sure. Uh, one thing you touched on, and I want to bring it up, you guys had a pretty special run in the NCAA tournament. Um, kind of got to experience that. Uh, I think, would you make it to the Final Four or the National Championship? No. The Elite Eight? No, Sweet 16. Okay, sorry. It wasn't that good. Just kidding. I thought it was a lot I, better. You know what? I, I could have rolled with it and been, been like we lost on like a half-court shot in the national championship and it would have went well for the pod, but no, we lost in the Sweet 16. I thought it was a lot better than that. Sorry, dude. Uh, my bad. Uh, but, no, uh, I mean, we lost in the Sweet 16 my junior year to Northwest Mo by three at their place yeah. and ended up rolling to the national championship. So, I mean, it, it was – it sucked. I think like the free throws was like 26 <laughs> in their favor on their home court. So, we, I'm not going to blame refs, but at the same time, it's like, Right. Look at the num- look at the numbers, but yeah, we. I mean, we had two good runs. We won the NSIC South back to back years, my junior senior year, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was, it, I think the coolest part was like all, most of our kids, for the most part, on the team were small town Minnesota boys. You know, we had we had KJ from Arizona and a couple right. other guys. It was a bunch of just small town kids who just grinded, which I loved. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I brought that up because I remember. Uh, the Northwest Missouri kids, they did their research on you, dude. Yeah. Well, they I knew. mean, so I, for those that don't know, obviously the division one March madness is huge and it's played all over the country, but the division two tournament, you play in other teams 
arenas until what the final four, the elite eight, then it's in a, a neutral yep. setting. Once you, once you get to the elite eight, it's a neutral setting. <clears throat> so you're at Northwest Missouri state football powerhouse too. They're, they're usually pretty solid and everything. Oh, yeah. Great believe, facility. Yeah. Believe it. Um, what, uh, what was that like when you go to the free throw line there? What they, didn't they chant Hannah's name? <laughs> so they chanted Anna's name. And then I also got the Carter has a mangina chant, which is <laughs> funny. I'm not going to lie. No, that's great, dude. That's a, that's a student section. I mean, oh, I mean, it was, it was a student section. Yeah. And I think they might have been the reason they, they got the dub. They were just on point. I mean, I've never heard the has a mangina chant ever in a basketball game. So credit to them. I think nowadays it's probably not going to slide because they get canceled because it's 2022. But five years ago, it slid and it yeah. works. That's great. Probably still rules in at Northwest Missouri State. Let's, it might. It let's might. be real. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, they probably it's probably still OK there. Uh, no, but a good experience there. Uh, tell us a little bit. How, people see international basketball all the time. Right. And it's a. Uh, crazy thing it's crazy how you even got lined up with it um so tell us a little bit about getting to and then getting over to the great place of cyprus yeah so after i got done playing basketball um obviously i went the football route but how it kind of goes is i had like 20 people 20 agents message me on facebook because that's how europeans like to contact you i guess um seems legit yeah. So I, I messaged most of them and I said, I'm playing football. Um, if I decide to go down the basketball route, I'll reach out. So I obviously pursued football and then I um, sent them all messages like two years after the fact. I'm like, hey, I'd like to play overseas. Like, what do you got? Blah, blah, blah. And I had like two or three people reach out to me and then um, we ended up. I signed with someone and we ended up getting a, a contract in Cyprus and it, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. Like it was all of a sudden, like, I'm, you know, at that time I was back home, I think it was substitute teaching or something. And all of a sudden it's like, yep, you're going to Cyprus tomorrow. I'm like, what? Right. I had to pack everything, had to get on a flight, had to go from, what was it? Minnesota, Chicago to New York to Amsterdam and then to Larnaca, which is in Cyprus. And like, it was just a long day of traveling. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you want me to talk kind of about like about international basketball? Yeah, dude, tell us about your time. I mean, I know you got some sweet stories and stuff that I hope you'll share with, but I mean, I couldn't imagine being in a place where nobody's speaking the same language as you, but your teammates. So the nice part about Cyprus, actually, is about 80% of the people there do speak English. Quit making me look stupid. Quit doing that. <laughs> well, no. It, it's, it, so, like, the north part is uh, the Turkish. The south part is the Greek part. And I lived in the Greek part. And what they do is, at a young age, they teach English. So the only people who really didn't know English were the older people. So, like, there was times I'd talk to someone who's, like, 56 years old. And they'd look at me like I'm an idiot. And I would just, like, continue whatever I was doing just walk away. But, um, but, I mean, it was fun. I played with four other Americans. Um, one played at Florida State, another at UNC, Nate Britt. He was on the national championship team. Um, another played at Tennessee State and another at Southern Miss and got to live with the two of them. So, I mean, in that aspect, it was awesome because I was able to communicate well with my teammates, not only just the Americans, but the Cypriots because they could speak English. Um, but the, the, the basketball play, it was unique. It was different. 24-second shot clock, but, like, Everybody presses. Sure. So by the by the time you get the ball to the top of the key, it's about fifteen to fourteen seconds, maybe even less. You get maybe one ball reversal, and you got to get a shot up. Um, and then it's also different in like you get five fouls a quarter, and you kind of want to save them up because if you, if there's like four minutes left to go in the quarter, and you got a two on one, two on one. Defensively, you can just go and wrap the guy up, and it's just right. a foul, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. Um, but, yeah, being in Cyprus was a lot of fun. You're on the island. It's like 3 million people. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I got stories. There was uh, – um, Well, before you get into your stories, like, what's the 
what's uh i mean if you don't care telling everybody what's what's that contract look like like what because it was a little different for you right i mean you came in a little late yeah so how it goes uh for most i want to say besides like the guys who are making millions overseas that are playing like the big time leagues but usually what'll happen like you get a rookie contract which is probably gonna vary between 15 to 2500 um a month and then and that's just like straight cash honestly they don't I mean, you, you probably should have to report it but anyways IRS is listening yeah we can just cut that part out uh and then like obviously as your years get going if you decide to turn into a career like the, your pay depends on your play right so realistically like you play well by year four five six you can be making about six seven grand a month and you're there usually about nine to ten months and um and obviously you can work your way up to where you're making you know six figures um especially you know some countries like basketball a lot more and some countries like basketball a lot less um so it just depends what league you're in honestly but i mean that's usually how it goes uh, the payment was kind of weird it's like we had to go to a bank to cash our check and then we had to walk like half a mile not in a safe place so sure. i mean but like, there was three, four of us and like we could probably handle ourselves at the same time like if someone just came up on us with weapons like we'd be screwed so like that part right. was a little little sketchy but i mean yeah, that's how it goes like if you want to make a lot of money you can like you just got to work you up you got to play well um but yeah i mean it's it's different it's um and it was i think i appreciate that that i was able to experience different lifestyles being in uh cyprus and in france um but man yeah it was it was a lot of fun like i said i enjoyed it if it wasn't for covid and and honestly that's the main reason why I did stop because both seasons got cut short because of COVID, so it kind of sucked. Right. But being away from, obviously, family is a huge part of my life, and being away from them for that long was tough. And then also, you know, the time change. All right, I'm, I'm getting ready for bed. They're waking up. Right. I'm waking They're getting ready for bed. So, like, you know, it was, communication was tough. I feel like there was well, like a couple of weeks one time where I didn't even, like, literally get to communicate with them. You know, maybe like a good morning or hope your day is going well type stuff. But so that part was tough. Um, but man, it's, you know, I, I've definitely had thoughts in the past half year to a year of going back. But, you know, I'm committed to ETS and I know it wouldn't be fair to these kids if I just got up and left. But right. shoot, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you're over there, were you in like a host family situation? Um, so when I was in Cyprus, I was in a house with two of the other teammates. And when I was in France, I was in like in an apartment with uh, one of my, my teammates from Serbia. So that's kind of how it goes. They usually pay for housing. Um, both times we had access to a vehicle. And then depending on the, whatever situation you're in, sometimes they pay for your food as well. Nice. That's pretty dope. So you're just getting paid straight cash to go play some ball. Uh, yep. Yeah, I think it was going to be really cool when you signed in France, and then obviously COVID ramped back up and killed that. And you got over there. How long were you in France? What did you get over there for, like? Three and a half months, yeah. four months. Yeah. Yeah. was long. What uh, What's the biggest takeaway from that? I mean, obviously you played like Nate Britt. Like, you played with some big guys over there that were, you know, had pretty great careers. But what, was, what would you say your biggest takeaway from – from playing international basketball would be? Um, probably that. Like, I don't know if you probably heard Luca once said it's easier to score in the NBA than overseas. And there's a probably, there's a lot of people here who is like, oh, no way. Like, he's, he's bullshitting. Like, there's no way. But just after watching, playing, seeing their, their play over there, I 100% agree. It's because of the pace. You know, right. it's fast. It's so sped up. Um, they move the ball so well. Right? You see a lot of, obviously, one-on-one in the, in the NBA. And obviously, if you're better than the guy in front of you, you're going to score. But just the way that defensively they scheme, their rotations. And there's different rules as well. But just, like, the way that they, they move the ball, it's, you know, it's kind of cliche to say it, but it is poetic. Right. Like, it's... You know, pass, pass, attack, pass, pass, attack, baseline, cross the middle, like wide open three. It's like, well, 
we did everything we possibly could defensively. That's just phenomenal offense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it, it's it's fun basketball. It's so fundamental, and like you, you know, I mean, you don't have to be perfect, obviously, and miss a shot. But like in regards to making the right pass, being where you're supposed to be defensively, like you kind of have to be perfect. And I kind of like that because it's like one, you had to take practice to a next level because you had to obviously get ready for games. But yeah, I mean, it's. It's definitely a different. Obviously, I don't think, you know, obviously we got the best basketball players in the world playing in the U.S. and the NBA. Right. Uh, <clears throat> athletically, for sure. But skill-wise, there's tons and tons of great basketball players over in Europe. They just don't have a 40-inch vertical and have a 7-foot wingspan, you know? Yeah. See you in the Olympics. America, gold medal. Yeah. 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 See how no, easy I mean, it is to score then, Luca. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it's, it's fun basketball. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's cool. I mean, it was dope to kind of see that. I know we tried to watch. I tried to watch some live stream stuff, and it was different, man. Uh, it was cool. You, you probably became an international superstar over there. Probably don't see a lot of tall people. I don't know what Cyprus like. Were you the tallest person by three feet? <laughs> no, I mean like besides the players on, you know, the teams that were in the league. Yeah. Probably. I was probably the tallest guy they've ever seen. Yeah. So they, you stuck out like a sore thumb, what you're saying. It was crazy, though, because this is kind of a side note. The games that we had, we probably only had about 50 people at each game. And I was just like, this is kind of weird. Like, why is there only 50 people? And then the manager talks to me. He's like, oh, yeah, about – he has his own little accent. I can't, can't remember how it sounded. But he's like, yeah, about four or five years ago, we'd have this whole place filled. It'd be packed. And I was like, what happened? Well, now you got to pay a certain amount of money just to be able to come to our games because they'd have so many, like, not homeless people, but, like, people who just wanted to go and just enjoy the nightlife. And they would have so many stabbings after the games that they had to, like, make a rule that, all right, you got to pay, what, 2000 just to come to our games for the whole season, like, stuff like that. And I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards if I can find it, but I saw a video um, – when my the team that I played for like five six years ago played against another their rival team yeah and they're throw like it's so loud they're throwing toilet paper everywhere like they got a bass drum banging the whole game like it's it was crazy I'm like eh that would be fun but I don't want to get stabbed so I'm fine right. with the people here yeah I think Americans need to step it up you see soccer dude that stuff gets crazy and then there's like fires in the stands and stuff oh Gosh, what happened in Indonesia is insane, man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what happened there? Tell us. Bad. It was bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bad. Look it up if you got it. it was, was it basketball, soccer, or what? Are you are you actually joking with me? Yeah, I have no idea. I have no well, idea. Like, a few days ago, there was like a, a riot in Indonesia at a soccer game, and a bunch of people, like 170 people died. Oh, yeah. I didn't, didn't hear about it. Dude. Don't follow oh. Indonesian soccer, so... <laughs> It was, it was on social media, so I kind of just assumed you. No. Yeah, no, not good. Yeah. Not good. Well, I don't. I, apparently, I don't follow a lot of people into Indonesian soccer either. All right, so. Well, maybe you should follow ESPN, right? I should. You're right. <laughs> I haven't heard of it. I'll check it out. Appreciate that insight. Oh. Uh, what was kind of some of the culture shock for you going over there? I mean, food wise, that kind of stuff. I think you know people think it's exciting to travel the world, but you, especially as somebody who's very in tune with their body, and then, you know, you're a professional athlete, you're trying to do the right things. What were some of those challenges like? Well, if I had to go work out, if I wanted to go work out, I had to walk, like, two miles just to go work out, which kind of sucked. So I had, like, this TRX unit that I'd go and use uh, right next to, like, a school outside our house. I'd just snatch it up to the fence and I'd do a little workout. Um I guess one thing about Cyprus is kind of unique. The roads are literally 10 feet wide for two cars. Right. And the steering wheel was on the the right side. So the first time I drove, man, oh, my gosh, I was about to piss myself. Because I was naturally, you know, hugging the curb because I was, you know, used to being next to the curb right. when you drive left side. So that, that was very different, but it, you know, it wasn't too 
different besides there was there was also probably everywhere you went you'd see at least 30 homeless cats so like actual cats or like we call them people cats now no like like not the furries but like the actual cats that have four legs and meow yeah the real ones yeah yeah the real ones yeah. the ones yeah I, there, I there was multiple occasions where I, I would just sometimes I'd be walking and I would see two stray cats just fighting and I'm like I'm, I'm gonna watch this for a good 15 20 seconds saw multiple cats with no tails one eye I'm like there's some quote unquote there's some dogs out here yeah like, these cats Cats got that dog in them. Yeah, you know, dude, you could have started the cat fighting ring of Cyprus professional basketball. I bet there is a cat fighting ring in Cyprus because they make money in so many illegal ways over there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, anybody, anybody try to lure you into some illegal rings? No, but there was one time when we went out to a uh, experience the nightlife. It was. This is one of the stories that I'll, I'll say. It was, um, went out, and there's also an American university in Cyprus. So we went out, and there was a group of Americans. We went and talked and sat with them. And then there was uh, some other players on the opposite team that were there, too, from America. Obviously, it's like, like mm-hmm. yeah, quote-unquote rivals, but they're also Americans. So, like, we chatted right. with them. One of them was actually seven seven one, a taller guy. Um and I'm sitting with the Americans, my two buddies who I live with, they go and they go, we're going to go talk to so-and-so. And they walk away. And in that place, it was kind of shoulder to shoulder. Like, there's a lot of people there. And they let people smoke. So I'm, I swear I was coughing half the time. But anyway, so I'm talking with these uh, students from the Cyprus University. But I'm also mm. kind of an eye on my, my teammates just because I'm like, you know, if something goes down, like I got to be there for them. I'm not thinking that something actually would. But I was just, you know, keeping tabs on them just to be safe. And then all of a sudden, like, I look over to where they're at, and there's just a huge scruffling. I'm like, oh, no. So I start weaving my way to see what's going on. I got one of my buddies standing on a table yelling at someone. And I'm looking like, hey, like, calm down, calm down, what's up? And, like, I'm trying to calm them down. And, like, it de-escalated a little bit. And the seven-footer got knocked out, apparently. He got a huge knot on his head. And so he's down in the stairwell and security's kind of like in front of him, kind of hold it, not hold him and holding him back, but just he's in front of him. And I'm with my teammates, Dave and Stoke, and they're kind of standing by me yelling at this group of guys, six, seven, eight of them look like they're in the mafia, all about five, seven, five, eight. Right. And I'm six, seven. This guy, he's got knocked out seven feet. Stokes, six, six. David's five or he's about five, eleven. And I'm just confused about what's going on. And there's a Cypriot standing next to me who I know is on one of the basketball teams, who is the teammate of this guy who's the seven footer who got knocked out. And so I go up to him. I was like, what? I'm like, why aren't you helping out your teammate? Like, what's going on? And he pointed at the group of guys the Cyprius who look like they're from the mafia. And there was one guy standing in front of all of them who are just staring at this seven footer. They're on the top of the stairwell, seven footers on the bottom, kind of being held back by this security guy. He points at them. He's like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? No, that's your teammate, man. You got to have his back. He's like, no, 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 no. This guy runs all the drugs in Cyprus. And I'm like, I go to Stoke and Dave. I'm like, guys, we got to get out of here. Okay. Like, let's just get out of here. Let's go back. And, like, they're, like, yelling at these guys. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, are we going to die? Uh, like, I was I was stressing a little bit. I'm like, all right, this dude might be 5'7". But, I mean, if he runs all the drugs and guns here in Cyprus, I'm out. Like, I'm good. So, anyways, we end up going back. Like, nothing really happened. But you could probably look this up, too. About maybe a year ago, the same bar that I was at, some American basketball player got knocked out and got put in a coma. And I was just like, man, that, that could have been the situation we were in. But like I said, like it's, it, it isn't too safe over there in Cyprus. Yeah. Say, could have been you. You don't think you could have taken a five foot seven Cyprian drug lord? No, I do not. Mm, yeah. Not at all. Go figure, dude. <laughs> God. No, that's, I mean, it, that's the kind of stuff that I think would be the craziest is not, 
just not knowing their culture and you get it to mm-hmm. other places. I mean, 99% of people in other countries are scared of those drug lords and stuff because they're the only people with guns, right? Like exactly. there's tons of stabbings, like you said, all over or Europe, that entire part of the world. It's because people don't just have guns, but, um, I couldn't imagine dude. Uh, <clears throat> that's, it's just wild. Uh, glad you're not in a coma, but also yeah. glad I'm not glad that you don't think you could beat up a five seven drug lord. Well, you put you put me in a room one on one, and he has no weapons. Like I'm winning that times out of ten. See, I'm surprised he doesn't just try to hire a bunch of tall basketball guys to just be like bodyguards. Oh, that's because the Americans leave every year, right? They get a new, they get a new set of players every single year. Yeah, but why? I mean, pay them more, stay for longer. Well, but it came up to me and said, "Hey, I'll give you this much money for just, uh, shoot, you know, money talks." Right. But at the same time, I love life and I like living, so I don't know. <laughs> Could have signed that long-term Britney Griner deal, dude. Oh, jeez. She did. She did nothing wrong. I don't get it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just that that's the stuff that's just wild to me, right? Like, you go uh, to she, another country and it's just it's it's just different rules, and that's what sucks. She, Part than that. Let's use our brains. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm with you. I'm not going to dispute it. Um, so as we we get to we get to winding down here, going by crazy fast. Um, what's your personal favorite sports story? Um, so for those that I'm going to bring one up, it's probably not your favorite, but uh, I didn't know the Kirks. Uh, coached against them when I was at Grenada, Truman, and uh, then when. Jordan started playing on the Hogs. That's when I got to know you guys, and we all became really close. Uh, but I remember your senior year, <clears throat> I was still an assistant. It might have been, like, the first or second year of the of the Jags co-op there. And uh, I remember he- getting live updates against your guys' score, or from your score against, uh, who was it, here in Lake? That was probably Renville. I oh, think. That's, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's right, it was Renville. And the final score was, what, 97 rip? Uh, it was a 91 to six, I think. No, they, they did score late, but you guys were up 59 rip at the end of the first quarter. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, we, we didn't do anything crazy. We just, they just block punt, pick six, kick return, like yeah. all scoring two plays. It just, it just didn't go well for them. No, I mean, they really bounced back as a program, too. Uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, they made a couple yeah. straight state tournament runs and just awesome. what happens in rural America, right? But uh, that was kind of the first time I, I heard the, the lull or the lore of Carter Kirk. I remember not knowing who your dad was. I mean, I knew who he was, but obviously we weren't close then. We went to the district meeting and, uh, you know, I'm going to throw TK under the bus, but he's... He's your dad, so he wasn't nominating you for all the awards, which, you know, district awards, that kind of stuff, you probably should have ran the table. But I remember uh, Fleischman and Rex, every time, dude, they'd, not, they'd nominate Carter Kirk, and I was like, this is nuts. But no, it, was, uh, it was pretty cool to watch you dominate then without knowing. But uh, what sticks out in Carter Kirk's brain is one of his favorite favorite sport memories of all time because i think everybody's got different ones from different levels and you've played at the highest level so this could be a fun little i mean a lot of great memories you know obviously going to state in uh basketball for the first time like mountain lake history and like 50 60 years was special um going to state and football um with my dad as head coach was awesome uh i mean a lot a lot of great you know, games, seasons, experiences. Um, I guess if I could pinpoint a specific game, um, my senior year of, ba- of basketball at Southwest, it was actually the game after someone when Bigler chewed us out. Yeah. Uh, seniors saying, like, you guys got to get it done. Right? Like, you, you just have to. You guys are the leaders of this team, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up losing that game. And I remember afterwards, I went out to eat with my dad and mom. And, uh, I went to B-Dubs, and we're sitting there eating. And I really just, you know, took what Bigler said to heart. I'm like, we have to win this next game. And this next game was against the fifth-ranked uh, Northern State Huskies. I don't know what they are. I think they're the Wolves, dude. Shout-out Wolves. Out Wolves. 
And um, it was their I Hate Winter. Well, SMSU has Hawaii night. So it's kind of like their homecoming for the winter, you sure. know. And Northern State leads the nation every single year in attendance. And I want to say that game, there was about six, 7,000 people. Like, it was packed. Yeah. It was a dogfight. But, I mean, I had a great game. Um, I ended up with 19 points and 21 boards, which is the game record for Southwest. So uh, I, I really like that record because, I mean, I, I take rebounding very serious, and I understand it's a huge part of the game. And, you know, we ended up winning that game, and um, it was just a fun atmosphere. I remember their little thing they do is whatever, wolves. So woof, woof. we yeah, woof, woof. We were at the free throw line, and they had these, like, girls wearing trench and wearing what trench coats and they all they had was bikinis underneath and i'm shooting my free throw getting ready and as i'm about to release you know they're going to flash me obviously they have the bikini on i make it and i go up to them like hey maybe if you guys do some more sit-ups i'll miss they're like and i was like man i can't believe i came up with that at the top of my head uh made the next one one. yeah thank you appreciate it (laughs) anyways um made the next one and so we're up like seven with like 50 to go and ryan brueggemann best player in southwest history he's at the free throw line and, and i'm back because we don't need rebounders at the time and i'm by their student section and they're you know f you f this blah 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 and they're just you know, saying everything possible and i just turn around and i just did this and they all just freaked out i did the, the down the pups down whatever it was but i mean besides all that just the fact that we were able to go in that environment against a highly ranked team after just losing a game we shouldn't have lost. And that sparked um, a really important winning streak for us to go and win the NSIC South. That was a pretty special moment for myself and just uh, the team because, you know, we, we were struggling at the time. And, you know, it really picked us up. And, you know, it was, it was awesome. But like I said, a lot of great opportunities. Got to play for a lot of great coaches with a lot of great players. And I'm just thankful that sports has helped me and helped grow me and also just like I said meet a lot of great people right obviously we probably wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for sports correct your life would be better but still you know me I don't know I really enjoy dumb people that's why I enjoy you yeah no <laughs> um now that's uh I figured it would be you catching a, a touchdown from John Wolf on the first play of the game against the freeze Oh, man, that was awesome, though. That was, it was pretty like, dope because I told everybody what was going to happen. I said, we're taking a shot first play, taking a shot first play. And so, like, for that, a little context, I know there's people that listen to this that would know, but when we were all on the hogs, some guys we had from Rochester, Minnesota, they started their own team, and they were the Med City Freeze. And, uh, you know, it was cool to play against some friends and some people that we knew. And uh, we had John Wolf, you know, he was uh, the Harmon Trophy winner, D2 Heisman. And then we Dog. had six foot, what, well, how tall are you, Carter? Six, six. Yeah, no big deal. We had six foot six split out wide. And I just told everybody we're going to take a shot deep. And John Wolf threw a money ball to Carter on a little hitch and go. And then we ran it like seven more times and they just didn't have anything well, for it. So the first play was, was just a go route. Was it just straight go? But I don't know if you remember this. So maybe three, four drives later. Oh yeah. Um, I'm out wide. We run a hitch. Whatever. Eight to ten yard gain. And the cornerback was just like super jacked that he made the tackle. And then you literally go. I remember you going, "All right, we're gonna run it again." And I was like, "All right." But we ran a hitch and go. Yeah. Kid bit ran- so hard. I'm pretty sure. You know, not to pat myself on the back. Had a one handed catch and. He was standing there, and you were just yelling at him. I'm like, that's hilarious. That was great, dude. That's that, hilarious. That was some of my favorite stuff. I mean, especially coaching. Like, people would talk shit to me, and I could talk shit back, and you guys were incredible athletes, and I would say yeah. shit, and you guys would back it up, and it was dope. That was so no, dope. That was a very fun season, and obviously it was awesome having John there, but just, like, the camaraderie we had, like, so loved it. Yeah. Loved it. No, that was fun stuff for sure. Uh, so we're, we're uh, you know, talked about this on other pods and some people might want to shut it off now, but uh, we're in a little group chat as well. What's, uh, so right now, Gulf's going into a bye week, sitting on four and one. How you feeling? How are you looking the rest of the season? I don't know, man. I'm from Minnesota. Like, it's not fun. It's not easy. It's it's hard. Like, what, what did I think before we played Purdue? No, you I called thought- it. 
I, I said this to one of my buddies. I, maybe I said it to you too. I'm like, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna. Who did we play before Purdue? Uh, it was Michigan State. I'm like, we're gonna beat Michigan State. We're gonna get ranked, and then we're gonna lose. Yeah. And obviously, going into the Purdue Purdue game, I was like, yeah, we can win this game. We should win this game. And we didn't because we were ranked. And I, I said this too earlier. It's like, man, like, well, one, I'm not the biggest fan of Tanner Morgan. I'll be honest. But uh, it's just like you look at the West. I want us to win. I think we can win. But it's just like we're from Minnesota. I don't think we will. <laughs> yeah, I know you kind of always expect the worst, right? It's kind of kind of the worst uh, place to be a sports fan of. I mean, unless you're Michigan, Detroit would suck for sure. But uh, what well, even the game on Sunday, like. Oof. I don't know why, but I knew Joseph was going to miss the extra point. Like, I just knew. Yeah. No, dude. Th- thankfully, we pulled it off, but, like, I just knew he was going to miss it. Yeah. He did. He did. It wasn't surprised. No, it's not. I mean, it's just a thing we've definitely grown accustomed to as, as Minnesota football fans in general. So, as we sit right here, uh, the Gophers are 4-1, and one, heading into the bye. No game this week. No pick for you to make. Yeah. Vikes are 3-1. and one. The number two overall team in the NFC, only three and one team in the NFC, which is wild. Eagles four and zero, Vikes three and one, two and two, and then all the way down to one and two or whatever. Uh, Giants one, but anyways, what? Giants are three and one, but oh. anyways, dude, you gotta quit doing that. All right, getting <laughs> sick of that. Uh, what do you? Uh, what's your prediction for the for both teams for the rest of the year? Give me a, so, give me numbers. My prediction is. Vikings are going to be either uh, nine and eight or ten and seven, and it's going to depend if we make the playoffs on that last game in Chicago. And I honestly think it's going to be up to Kirk Cousins. If he can't get the job done, we gotta fire his ass. Yeah, no, I'm down with that. I'm so sick of it. I, I'm not. I'm not usually a Cousins hater, and you know that. But it's just, it's, it's tough. I will say this though, because I had us losing to the Dolphins, so it might change if Tua isn't playing. So I'm just gonna say between nine and eight and um, eleven and seven. Okay. Or, I don't know. They changed the whole. Yeah, eleven and six. I know math's not big for you, but it's no, okay. Not at all. Um. So go. Go for. Well, how many more games do we have left in the regular season? Well, usually 12, 12 game regular season. So they've all played right. five. So that means they got seven. Oh, good. I'm gonna say. Uh, sadly, I'm going to say we're going to go four and three. Wow, so dude! We'll end up eight, man. I'm just, re- I'm just a realist. We can go back and listen to this in three, four months, but I think we're going four and three. No, that's tough to hear. I mean, everybody's got their. I don't think the Gophers are losing again. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm riding that. I'm riding that hard. Uh, I think Mo not being ready to go right at game time really, really messed up the the mojo there for the offense. Uh, I think that plays some mind rolls. So. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be tough. There's some tough games coming up, but yeah. No, I agree. Like, obviously, I want us to win every single freaking game, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Well, uh, appreciate you, brother. Uh, Best of luck. Keep killing it at ETS. Uh, We'll talk more. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for sharing your story. It's unique. Uh, You want to leave everybody with, like, one little piece of advice? Just live every day like it's your last Take advantage of take advantage of every opportunity you got, and if you can, don't be a Minnesota sports fan because it hurts. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, appreciate you, brother. Uh, we'll chat soon. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Like, comment, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate five stars, do all that fun stuff. Be good, everybody. The grass is only green the way you water it.